From BYU Broadcasting's Performance Studio, this is Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Our guests in studio today are Eugene Watanabe, founder of the Gifted Music School in Salt Lake City, and a number of the school students are here to perform. Also with us, Bill McLaughlin, the Peabody Award-winning host of St. Paul Sunday and Exploring Music on WFMT in Chicago, among others. We're going to hear some great music, and we'll also get to speak with our guests. Bill is in town guest conducting a concert for the Gifted Music School. They are a nonprofit children's music school in Salt Lake City committed to creating a new standard for music education in the U.S. They have a full scholarship conservatory program for serious and committed musicians with theory, ear training, performance classes, chamber music, and orchestral training, and in addition, a preparatory division with music for children 3 through 18, featuring lessons on piano and a whole variety of orchestral instruments. We'll be switching music and musicians in and out of chairs, literally playing musical chairs here today. So that might be a little bit of a background hum you hear. We actually will have a lot of fun with that. We're going to start with a piano quintet in A major, the Trout Quintet by Franz Schubert. We'll speak more about this in just a minute. We'll begin with the fourth movement.
We've been listening to students from the Gifted Music School in Salt Lake City playing live here in our performance studio at BYU Broadcasting. Violinist Karen Ferry, violist Mackie Moore, cellist Hannah Brown, bass Justin Morgan, and piano Kana Yoshigi. And we are playing musical chairs right now. We're switching to another configuration. We're in just a moment going to hear the fifth and the final movement. Violinist McCall Anderson, viola Madison Marshall, and cellist Caden Boyington. And uh, we'll give them just a minute while they get set up. I am so pleased to speak with Bill McLaughlin. Bill, thank you for coming and speaking with us. It is great to be here. This is one of the great radio stations in the world. I'm really pleased to be back. Well, you know your radio station, so (laughs) we appreciate that. I think you have always been an educator. You, 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 when you talk music, even when you're saying how much you love it, you always explain why. You know, that's funny. I'm afraid I have a great big mean didactic streak running down <laughs> my back. I do. I think. And uh, <clears throat> when I started, that's all I wanted to be. I wanted to be like a high school music teacher. I, I didn't know that I would wind up playing trombone with Philly or conducting and all like that. But in my family, my mom became a teacher after she raised all six kids. I had two brothers still teaching school in the Philadelphia school. So I think you're onto something there. It's a family predilection okay maybe delirium (laughs) (laughs) when did you first you were playing trombone with the philadelphia orchestra as you mentioned and then when did you first get into radio talking about music that was when i was in st paul and by that time all my trombone player friends because i played for a while in the pittsburgh 72 all my trombone player friends said oh billy you know he gave up music to become a conductor (laughs) and i did i went to become a conductor with the st paul chamber orchestra and then i was there for those years Mm -hmm. Started sitting for Garrison Keillor, who was just getting his radio show going in those days. He had a drive time show, six to nine, every morning, five days a week. Occasionally, the old boy needed a day off. So I would come in and sit in for him. And that led to my being asked to do St. Paul Sunday. <laughs> That's great. To have this little radio show. Well, it wasn't It wasn't the full the Saturday yeah, night thing. Yeah, just the way that it began. That's I know, just fun I know. To it hear. was really homemade. And nobody could believe it was too Midwestern, too odd. You know, everything at that time was coming either from L.A. or New York. And here was this guy from St. Paul, Minnesota. Wow. Well, we have to ask you, uh, that is known also as the Trout Quartet that we're hearing movements for. Oh, isn't that beautiful? And uh, the the only thing really fishy about it is the instrumentation. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I represent that remark. I was connected (laughs) with the Brotherhood of People Who Play in Bass Clef, and I love it. He uses... It's not, you know, like a lot of times the string quintet would have like a second violin or a second viola or a second cello. This has a double bass. And it sounds so great, does it? especially you, that D minor. You don't think pizzicato bass when you think string quartet. No, but you think pizzicato bass if you think a little Viennese hotel band today. <laughs> I think that's why he's writing for his friends. Mm-hmm. It sounds like country music. Sound, somebody to play in somebody's home. They had a piano, and his best friend is a bass player. Okay, i got to write him in. <laughs> someone told me that they figured that the, some of the piano movements are parallel octaves way up high, and oh, he needed yeah, yeah. someone down and low. But I like the friend explanation way better. Do you, um, do you play piano at all? Have you? A wee bit. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I first got to square this, when I was a kid, I thought, oh, I love this piece. I'm going to learn to play. It's so bloody hard to play. And just when you say, your hands are way up at, at the top of the keyboard, both of them, and they're playing in octaves most of the time, which is the most perilous thing, because you do the slightest thing wrong, and your left hand contradicts your right. You didn't, young lady. She's nodding her head. This was a brilliant performance from our pianist. Day. Yeah. And this quartet of string players are amazing, aren't they? I love the way that you guys, I'm turning away to you a little, but I love the way you ended that piece it's a little it's he built in this going off like a cartoon bye bye folks it's all folks that's all fantastic schubert no well let's hear we're going to talk more with you bill in just a, a moment but let's do here this new configuration we've done our musical chairs i think we're in tune and we're ready now to hear the fifth movement allegro giusto 
from the piano quintet in A major, the Trout Quintet by Franz Schubert.
the fifth movement of the piano quintet in A major, the Trout Quintet by Franz Schubert, performed by students from the Gifted Music School, violinist McCall Anderson, viola Madison Marshall, cellist Caden Boynton, bass Justin Morgan, and pianist Kana Yoshigi. Beautifully, beautifully played. You must be so proud of these students, Eugene. Um, I'm proud of every single student in the school, but I'm also proud of the, the faculty and the staff that helps to put this together, and people like the guests that we have, like Bill McLaughlin, to come and actually coach this group. Eugene Watanabe is the director and founder of the Gifted School of Music in Salt Lake City. We've had you back a couple of times, and every time we read about you in the paper, maybe you don't see the, the, the growth because you're there seeing it every day, but it seems like it's in leaps and bounds. Can you remember back how many students you began with? We started the school originally with about 30 students, and now we have about 350 students at the school. <laughs> okay. And uh, we've become a major presence in the music education world, not only locally, not, in, not even statewide, but uh, regionally and nationally. We're creating students that uh, go on to really uh, prominent music careers and uh, prominent music schools like Juilliard, Colburn, <clears throat> and New England, but we have students that also go into academics. That's, in my mind, that's what something that we're truly proud of because we want them to become leaders, <laughs> and we want to create and break down the barriers of music education to, to kids. We have 150 students now, right now currently at Mountain View Elementary, which is a Title I school, and those kids... Um, are going to get five years of music training, eight hours a week. It's just insane. That's amazing. Uh, we found this quote. This is from a few years ago, and I don't think your philosophy has changed. This is from you saying, music is a fundamental, indispensable part of a well-rounded education for every child. Our goal is to provide that resource and set a standard for what a great quality music education can be. Oh, we still stand by that. We, we truly believe music education changes the world. Now, at one point, you mentioned being a little bit frustrated that at major music schools, uh, you used an example of the Curtis Institute, but it could be others, that that students were coming from other countries and being able to get in, but U.S. students weren't passing the auditions. Now, what, what was causing that, do you think? Well, I think uh, globally speaking, and uh, I'm talking, you know, with the advent of, let's say, China and Korea and Japan and mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, especially with, with uh, the growth of China and their interest in music education, serious music education. Um, that's billions of people taking music education seriously. And they made an effort to make it uh, an important part of their education because they knew that it fundamentally changed their, the, the outlook of the kids' kids' lives. And we have to compete with that. We have to. So if they have conservatory uh, schools, is that what, what we lacked more of here? For, oh, there's for a, young students? There's a concerted effort from the top levels of, of the government that cultural education and the teaching of discipline of Western music and harmony, the teaching of those values the, of beautiful classical music and the training that goes into it um, creates a society and a generation of kids who have discipline, who have appreciation for, for, for culture and their country, therefore. And it's really a unifying force that cannot be underestimated. Well, and uh, your two-tiered program, people who are committed to, to practice and practice and rehearsal and, and, and most likely 
seeking for professional music careers, but but then that whole separate track of reaching out to the community, as you mentioned, this particular school and getting those students involved who might not even have a chance to play an instrument otherwise. Yes, um, we believe that um, our conservatory sets the standard of what music education can be at its highest level. We're not there yet. We're on our way. <laughs> We're well on our way, but um, but we want to take those standards and bring it to the community programs, the preparatory How program. hard is it to com- convince people in the community? Do they just need to come to a concert or, or a, a school visit? What actually makes the difference persuading people to support something like this? Um, I think a lot of kids are inspired by hearing other kids their same age mm. performing. When our orchestra plays, uh, or you hear these amazing kids here playing chamber music, um, you know, you hear and see these kids. If you can see them, you know that the future of our community and our society is, is in good hands if all kids can be like that. Well, we are so impressed. We're impressed with the faculty you're bringing in. Also, like you say, Bill McLaughlin, the type of guest conductors and, and workshopping people you're bringing into. Bring the best to your students, Eugene. You're, we think it's commendable. And we're thrilled. Every time you come back, we see more and more happening. We're going to hear a solo now. This is, uh, well, I can't really call it a solo because of the way that it works with the piano and the violin together. But this is the Violin Sonata by Aaron Copeland, which he also said could be clarinet. But here we are. We're going to hear it performed today. Violinist Brief Fotheringham soloing and with pianist uh, Dr. Koji Atwood. And we're thrilled to have him. He's uh, his master's, his PhD, been to Juilliard, just the level of, of instruction that's here at the school. Thank you very much for being here. We'll now go ahead and hear this sonata by Aaron Copeland. Thank you. 
Bree Fotheringham and Koji Atwood performing the violin piano sonata from Aaron Copland, a piece that he wrote 1943, dedicated to a friend of his, a musician, also a soldier who had been shot down in the Pacific during World War II. And there's a bit of grandeur at the end of, of that. It, it certainly feels feels like. Do you hear that piece much, Bill McLaughlin? Not nearly enough. I love it. Uh, Copeland used to come to visit us a lot in St. Paul. In fact, we toured together. We used to do concerts because by the time I got to know him, Copeland's about 78 years old and he didn't want to conduct the whole concert. He said, Bill, I'm too old to stay up there. You do the second half. <laughs> you do that. <laughs> but I watched him conduct Appalachian Spring many, many times. And then in the second half, we would play things like the short symphony that was too difficult to play when he wrote it in the 1930s. I mean, Kuzovitsky couldn't do it in Boston. Stokowski couldn't do it in Philly. There we were playing it. And he said, Bill, you played a short symphony tonight. I said, Aaron, we played it the last three nights in a row. He said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But I, but I love that piece, the, the violin symphony. There's a kind of calmness at the end. And yet, listen to Kochi's It's like clownish music side by side. I love that contrast. What, what was it about him that found... He was writing what we now think of as the vocabulary of Americana. Yeah, but exactly. before that existed, how did he find that? Well, he started really hard. He started with a guy called uh, Ruben Goldberg in New York. It was a uh, Ruben Goldmark. It was the nephew, I think, of the great Carl Goldmark. Hmm. Not a great composer. He also tried to teach George Gershwin. He didn't screw up either one of them <laughs> because they both got out of there. And Coppola <laughs> went off to Europe and studied with Najib Boulanger. Came back a raving, wild, avant-garde modernist. And he tried that for about 10 years and wasn't gone anywhere. And they started with Elsa Lameco to introduce folk tunes. Mm. And he went, ah, people love it. And now they can understand my most difficult impulses. So there's folk music in a way in the violin sonata we just heard. There's so much in Appalachian Spring, which we're playing this yes. week. It yeah. just breaks your heart. And he tapped into a vein of American, um, it's almost like mystic connection to the land. So here's a guy who grew up, he said, I grew up on the Drabist Street in Brooklyn, New York. And he's the composer of our heartland. <laughs> Yes. That's his imagination and his heart that took him there. Well, you mentioned you're playing Appalachian Spring. You're conducting this with the group. Is that daunting to say, yes, I, I have these high school-age students and we're going to perform this particular Eugene work? Eugene suggested to me, and I went, I love you, Eugene, but no way. Not with high school kids. You can't do that. <laughs> I mean, with college kids, I need six rehearsals. We did it in two rehearsals. We have another little brush up. Eugene, give him credit, man. I love this man. He has drilled these kids mm. so beautifully, not just like a disciplinarian, but so intelligently. He'll get terribly embarrassed, but it's an important thing that someone does. And when I came in, it was all ready to go. Hmm. And the kids, these kids are so gifted and they're so willing and there's so much fun. There's so much energy and they, well, I find I'm, they, want, they excite me. They touch me. It's a miracle. And it's Eugene Watanabe who started it. How common is a school like this in the U.S.? There isn't one. There is not one thing even remotely like this. Nowhere. Hmm. 
I don't know about abroad. I think what Eugene has seen with his wife Vera, she comes out of the old Soviet bloc system, and there the government really wanted to produce fantastic gymnasts, right? So they put all their money and energy to get these little kids from Romania who could do flip-flops better than anybody else in the world, and their fiddle players could do it, and their pianists could do it. We don't have government support at that level, but we got something even better coming up from the ground in the gifted music school. Yeah, it's just amazing what they do. I, I was curious... You have been here before mm-hmm. as a guest conductor with the yes. group and come back again. Uh, do, do you see change and improvement in the school itself? Yeah, Gene said he went from 30 pairs now to 300. That's a tenfold, influence, a tenfold yeah. increase. But it's not just the numbers. The players are deeper. I mean, I'm seeing kids now that I remember from when they were 13 or 14. Now they're 16, 17, 18 years old. They are so mature, but they haven't lost that beautiful affection for music and for each other. It's a wonderful thing to be here. Bill McLaughlin, thank you. So nice to talk to you. We'll speak with you again in just a moment. I think it's important to note that of all the students we're hearing, we only have one senior here today. The rest are all auditioning for music schools and getting other things going. I think it's a credit to the school. So we have changed personnel now. We're going to be hearing music of Mozart, the piano quartet, E-flat major, the first movement, the Allegro, but we'll be hearing this performed by violinist Rachel Call, viola Madison Marshall, Hannah Brown cellist, and pianist Kana Yoshigi.
Beautifully done. The Piano Quartet in E-flat major by Mozart, the first movement, the Allegro. And boy, that's about as good as it can get. We do want to speak with a few of the students for just a second. I wish we had more time, but we're going to cram more music in. So we'll take just a minute. Uh, Madison, uh, Karen Ferry, violinist. I see you holding a violin there. That should have been my first clue there. I heard that you practice four to five hours every day except Sunday. Yep, pretty much on top of all the rehearsals we have as a school. On top of so that. So, <laughs> so in the old days, we were looking up information about you. Your family uh, lives on a farm. Correct, You used to yep. do the farm chores, including you said, this is a quote, I feed the lambs even though they reek. Oh, so true. <laughs> it is so true that you smell awful. <laughs> so uh, with all this practicing, are you still doing farm chores? Yeah, I still raise lambs. And my, I mean, my brothers do more of like the cows and the raising the crops and stuff. But I do, I still raise lambs. And, well, you're you still know. working. You're still yeah, working exactly. <laughs> exactly. What is it that, that you hope to do when you look for a school beyond the Gifted Music School? You've been prepared for something. What do you want to, to step forward into? I'm hoping to major in music and violin performance and go to a college or a conservatory. Um, and GMS has really prepared me to do so. You know, we we have performance classes that help us really learn how to, you know, perform for different people and judges. And I'm really hoping to, you know, go to a really high level college in the future. 
Well, you certainly, if I look over past experience, we don't even have time to share the places <laughs> you've soloed, but with different symphonies, and you're certainly putting in the work. You're only a sophomore at Box Elder High School. People hearing you play would be, in fact, for everybody listening, everybody you're hearing play is under college age. Mm -hmm. And so we're so impressed. Uh, Karen, oh, thank you so much for you. playing for us today. Let's speak just a minute with Madison Marshall, violist. And how long have you been at the Gifted Music School? So I've only been at the school for two years now, but I can honestly say that it's been one of the most life-changing things I've been able to experience, and I'm so glad that I was able to discover it. So there's all this time practicing on your own if you want to be a good instrumentalist, but I see you here. You just performed in that, that quartet we just yes. heard. What is it that you learn from performing in an ensemble like that? Well, I think that you definitely get to feed off the emotional vibe of everyone in your group, and that energizes you to practice more, not only in your chamber music, but in your solo music as well. And um, I've certainly learned a lot from this particular group, and I'm glad to have been a part of it as part of the Gifted Music School. And even sitting here watching all of you take your cues from each other, depending who had a solo moment, it was really fun for me to just sit and watch that developing and see the skills that you have to do that. We could not let you go without asking about the name of your viola. My viola actually doesn't have a name. This one doesn't. We heard no. you had named one Mr. Darcy. I did. We've parted ways. You have parted ways? <laughs> oh, the sadness. <laughs> the sadness of the, okay. What does a violin have, or viola have to do to get a name? I don't know. It, or was it has that to just, earn it. It has to earn it. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're waiting for this one to receive its name. Madison Marshall, thank you so much. Go, we'll thank let you, you go ahead and take your place because we're going to hear you play again here. We're going to hear a final number, the students from the Gifted Music School in Salt Lake City. This particular piece we're going to hear is from Robert Schumann, and we're going to hear which movement from the quartet? The fourth. Okay. Good place to end here. Let's go ahead and hear this from these students from the Gifted Music School in Salt Lake City.
So amazing. That's the Vivace movement, the fourth movement of the piano quartet by Robert Schumann, which he wrote in 1842 during his year off to write chamber music. We're sure glad he took that year. We just heard violinist Rachel Call, violist Madison Marshall, Hannah Brown, cellist and pianist Kana Yoshigi, who, who needs a, a, a massage after that heroic work and those leaps and runs she was doing. She's already a three-time soloist with the Utah Symphony. You're listening to Highway 89. We are so grateful for these insanely talented young guests from the Gifted Music School of Salt Lake City. Under direction this week, their coach and guest conductor is Bill McLaughlin. We've also been able to visit with the school's director and founder, Eugene Watanabe. More information about the ensemble's latest concerts and projects available online at thegiftedmusicschool.org. We cannot thank you all enough. Thank you for a great, great show. Just thrilling to be here. If you're listening at home or just caught part of the show, you'd like to hear the first part. It's easy to do. All of our shows are archived online for free on-demand listening at byuradio.org slash highway89. And follow us on Twitter at BYUH89 for live show updates and special behind-the-scenes photos and video clips. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. Our recording engineer is Mark Waite, our film assistant, Abby Horlocker, and the show's producer is Jackie Tateishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thanks for listening.